Okay, good evening everybody and welcome to our custom tonight to say good yantif. Tonight is the 19th day of Kislev. It's the day when the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, he was released from a 53 day imprisonment. And I say the words 53 days because you'll see the Tanya has 53 chapters. And it's our tradition that the Alter Rebbe brought down a new energy into this world and that in heaven there was a fight if this energy should remain here. And for each chapter he wrote, he spent a day in prison. That's our tradition. And his release today on the 19th day of Kislev was not only a physical release from the Russian Tsar, but it was also a spiritual message that the energy of Hasidus, this positive message, this positivity, this positivity bias, this, the love, the necessity for every individual Jew, how much they matter, how much they count, this is a message we must continue to share. So you... Yes. The reason we don't wear silver Atiraz is because everybody collected up all of his and their Atiraz to serve as bail to get the Rebbe out, and it's in commemoration of that. Yes. yes. Tonight's class is titled The Foundation, Accepting the Yoke of Heaven, and I've put the words, 45 minutes, I will change your life. And I didn't say that on my own, I said that because I feel that I have the backing of some very holy people, as we'll soon see, who shared that these few lines of Tanya we're going to learn now, if we use them appropriately, they have the ability to, to help us manage anger, haughtiness, laziness, and melancholy. And hopefully we'll see that at the end of the class and we'll all be new people. One more, one more story before we begin. There's a tradition, there's a, there was a will written... Oh, well, there's, there's Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, he wrote a book, he wrote a sefer, and one of the items he says is that once you've left your house on a trip, so you shouldn't return back until the trip is over. Like if you've said goodbye, and there was once a chassid, Rabbi Gerari, he left his home, and if I remember, his flight was canceled. Something happened that he wasn't able to take the trip. And so he asked the Rebbe, he said, the, the tradition is you don't go back home. What should I do now? My trip was canceled. <laughs> the Rebbe had a brother-in-law called Rebbe Gerari. A different, a relative. So the Rebbe shared that if you learn a chapter of Tanya, you're a different person, and then you could go home. <laughs> so while we're learning Tanya, it's, we're very lucky to have the ability to really learn such, such was godliness. His one, was his son the one that stole the book? No. So where are we holding in Tanya? We're holding, we're, up, we're skipping for this class because of the holiness of the night. Yutas Kisli, we're going to begin chapter 41. And in the future, we'll go back to chapter 40. But chapter 41 is continuing on this theme of love and fear being necessary in service of God. We could serve Hashem, 
we could serve God without any meaning behind it. We could serve Hashem just because that's what I do in the morning. And that's still good. We're still doing a mitzvah. But all, the best is to serve Hashem with love and fear. I know I shared this story, but I'm going to share it again. So Rabbi Reichik, my grandfather, when he was 28 years old, he was already traveling around on behalf of the previous Rabbi. And he wanted to get married. He, unfortunately, he didn't have family, money. He wanted to get married. And he asked the previous Rebbe to assist him, help him find a shidduch. And every time a shidduch would come up, so Rabbi Reichik would share with the Rebbe, who rejected it. And when the Rebbe, previous Rebbe saw how like, despondent Rabbi Reichik was becoming, he said, I'll share with you a story. And he shared with him a story that happened with Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, he had a grandson of marriageable age. And every day while he was folding his talus and tefillin, a matchmaker would come to him and tell him, what about this girl, that girl? And after a while of the Rebbe saying no, the matchmaker stopped coming to uh, help with the shidduch. So Rabbi Levi Yitzchak said, what's this? I, I, want, I want some more names. Good evening. I want some more names. So the matchmaker said, enough is enough. Well, enough knows and I'm done. <laughs> so the Rebbe said, he said, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak shared, he said, in heaven when someone is born, an announcement is made that Yaakov should marry Rachel. So why is it that it's so hard to find your shidduch? Whatever the announcement in heaven was, that's what's going to be. What's the complication? And Rabbi Levi Yitzchak shared that some angels, they don't speak properly. They pronounce the words incorrectly. And some angels can't hear properly. So in order to get to the right person, you have to go through all of the misinterpretations that the um, angels that had challenges had heard or said. In other words, every time that we create, every time we say something holy, we do something holy, we're creating angels. And the question is, how healthy is our angel? How healthy is our angel? That's where we're holding now in Tanya. That we could do positive things, we could learn Torah, we could do mitzvahs. We're creating angels, but are we creating healthy angels? The most healthy will be if there's love and fear. Any questions about the introduction? So now we're going to start saying what comes first, love or fear. And this is going to be the focus of tonight's class. What needs to come first, love or fear? On a personal note, I'll just share with you. When I was looking to get married, my mashpia, my mentor, he said, when you're, when you're looking for a wife, you should look for someone who respects you. Everything else you'll work out. And it was a very interesting thought. In other words, love, first we need the respect. First we need the fear. When we talk about fear, I want to be clear. In the Hasidic community, we don't talk about Gehenim. We don't talk much about punishment. We're not talking about punishment because... We're not talking about fear because I'm scared you're going to get punished. 
That would be called Yirat HaAinish. I'm scared of the punishment. That's not what we talk about. Anyone familiar with the Hebrew terms which we use for fear? Fear of heaven. Yirat Shemayim. You're, you're scared of heaven. You're not scared that you're going to get hurt. You're not scared that, it, that someone's going to shoot you, that there's like a, some angry angels in heaven that want to hurt you. That's not at all our conversation. We're talking about fear because of the greatness of Hashem. One last item before we throw ourselves into Tanya. The Atarevi, in writing the Tanya, wrote everything with exactness. So much so, that there's a story shared that the first Vav, uh, in the chapter we're learning now of, of Tanya, chapter 41, the word Ve'ikra, here we have the English copy, but the chapter in Hebrew reads, Berams, I'm ble- I, I've been blessed that when I was younger, my aunt encouraged me to learn this section by heart. As you'll soon see, there's, there's a tradition that to learn this section by heart, there's a lot of blessings. So the chapter starts. The Vav of the word Ve'ikra, the Alter Rebbe spent six weeks deciding if he should keep the Vav in the chapter or not. In other words, every letter is exact. Okay, so let's throw ourselves in. Chapter 41, if you have, let's look at the handout we have. And this, the quotes on the first page are directly from Tanya. One must, however, constantly bear in mind the beginning of the service and its core and root. Until now we've been talking about love and fear. But what is the core? What is the root? What is the beginning of the service? By this is meant... That although fear is the root of depart from evil and love of do good, when you fear in a relationship, when you fear someone, you won't go against them. If you love them, you'll even do what they want. So fearing Hashem ensures that we don't do the negative commandments. Loving Hashem ensures that we're going to do the positive commandments. Nevertheless, it is not sufficient to awaken love alone, the love alone to do good. Love alone is not going to make you do good. But one must at least first arouse the innate fear, which lies hidden in the heart of every Jew. Naturally, there's a love and fear within us, Tashem. And we cannot rely, we cannot say the beginning is love. The beginning needs to be fear. What type of fear? Fear not to rebel against the supreme King of Kings. The Holy One, blessed be He, as had, as had been stated above, so that this fear shall manifest, manifest itself in His heart, or at least His mind. The foundation needs to be fear. Whether the fear you'll be able to make it a feeling in your heart, or it will just be in your mind. So be it. But the foundation needs to be fear. How are we going to come to this fear? And I want to repeat, we're not going to see one moment (coughs) mention of punishment. We're not going to say you should fear because you know what's going to happen if you don't do this. It happens to be, we do know, there are punishments in the Torah, but that's not at all what we're talking about. 
when I was learning in yeshiva in California, so Rabbi Shapiro, I remember him once talking, he was sharing, we were in Los Angeles, so he said, I want you to imagine, you're one person within your, within your family. Okay, so, if you're a large family, your parents still, they have a grasp on every child, they have a love for every child. But, but then think about, you're a member of a community, it's already less, how you, you're not, it's hard to be a focal player, everybody's a partner within the community, but it's hard to be able to be unique within a larger community, within your city, within your county, your state, within the world to be someone that is unique is even harder, within the universe. And here, the fear we're talking about is thinking about how great Hashem is. Hashem created so many worlds. We've spoken about four worlds. In our own, talking about the lowest of all worlds, there's galaxies upon galaxies within this physical world that we talk about. So, so many. And yet Hashem said, Who do I choose to love? Who do I choose that I want them to be? I want to be their king and they my servants, they my children, the Jewish people. Hashem says in many places, we say in Kiddush, Kivanu Vacharta, Hashem has chosen us. So from this massive universe, the physical, the spiritual, Hashem has chosen the Jew. Not only, the, not only the Jewish soul, but even the Jewish body. And not only has Hashem chosen the Jewish body, which is that's itself incredible, I'm a part of the Jewish nation that Hashem has chosen from everything in His, that Hashem has created. Hashem has chosen to bestow His kingship on the Jewish people. But Hashem has chosen to bestow it on me. Everybody should say, the world was created for me. Anyone familiar with this quote? It's a quote from the Mishnah. Bishvili nivra olam. For me, the world was created. Why, why is it that Hashem... How old was Adam when he was born? It's a trick question. But how old was Adam Harisha when he was born? Adam... When he was created, how old was he? 18. 12. Well, he, obviously he was, he was zero. I mean, he, but he was created at what age? Meant, uh, what, if you would have seen him at that day, how old would you, you have thought he was? 26. 20. 20. Hashem created him as a 20-year-old. One of, the, one of the reasons we say that the, the fact that science says the world around for so many years is not a problem to Jewish tradition is because the moment Hashem created the world if, you, if Adam would have cut down a tree he would have been able to he, the tree would have had all those circles trees were there as if they had been there for hundreds of years we, we don't believe that on day one this earth, crea- earth began mm-hmm. Hashem created an active world mm-hmm. everything there was as if it had been there for years 
So why is it that there were so many animals created? Every animal had a match. Adam Harishan was able to... And Adam was created alone. No other human beings. What's the reason? And he was lonely. He was lonely. That's why Hashem made him a wife. But, so why? Why did Hashem make one human being? Is it for him to feel that sensation of loneliness? To desire um, a, a woman? In terms of a, um, uh, a person to share life with? We, we learned that, that, yet that he, yes, he actively said, I want a spouse, I want a wife. Mm-hmm. That is true. But is there another way Hashem could have done it? Hashem had to create one person. <coughs> I thought Adam, in some interpretations, was almost both a man and a woman. Before the before yeah. woman was separated from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the Mishnah shares with us, the Mishnah here is talking about, Daniel, you'll appreciate the Mishnah, it's talking about courts that are working with witnesses who are testifying about a a case that is serious enough that God forbid it could have the death penalty. A court that is testifying, that is in session, dealing with an issue serious enough that God forbid it could have the death penalty. So the mission in Sanhedrin says that if witnesses are going to come and testify, we're going to drive them crazy. We're going to drive them crazy. We're to make sure that what they're saying is real. We're going to scare them. That's the wording of the Mishnah. We're going to scare them. Because we want to make sure that this, that this is honest. And one of the things that we tell them is, we tell them many things, but one of them is, Lefichach nivra adam yechidi. Man was created alone. Only one person on the entire universe to teach you that if you kill one human being it's as if you killed an entire world. But if you allow one human being to live if you sustain one human being it's as if you have kept the entire world alive. So Hashem created Adam to teach us this powerful lesson that the individual the individual is the entire world each individual is an entire world and this sounds quite nice and and uh, it sounds very poetic but it's actually let's talk about how real it is the Jewish people as a whole make up one body just as if your toenail it's causing you pain. You're, entire, you're not going to be able to do anything. Anyone ever had an ingrown toenail? Or you had, they, it, it takes you over. It's a silly thing. It's just your toenail. Your brain, you're done. Every Jew is a part of this body. And each individual is crucial to the life and success of all of us. So the world was created for you. We each need to say, the world was created for me. So that is the first step Tanya is going to say. You want to know how to come to fear of Hashem. Think about how Hashem created this massive universe, spiritual, physical, and Hashem has said that just, I have created everything and I'm picking you as my focus. 
is that is that going to bring us some awe of Hashem some fear of Hashem let's see that inside contemplate how are we going to come to this fear contemplate this means that he should at least contemplate in his thought on the greatness of the blessed Ain't Sof and on his kingship. The least we could do is think in your thoughts. In other words, Tanya is saying, even if you can't bring it to your heart, you can't create a feeling, in the least, bring it to your heart, to your mind, the greatness of the blessed Ain't Sof and on his kingship. Let's talk about how great Hashem is, how great the Ain't Sof is, and where Hashem has put his kingship. Hashem, His, his greatness is, extends to all worlds, both higher and lower, and He fills all worlds and encompasses all worlds. Hashem is in each world in a, in a surrounding way, in, a, in an inner way, as is written, Do I not fill heaven and earth? Yet, even though Hashem created this entire master plan, he leaves both the higher and lower worlds and uniquely bestows his kingdom upon his people, Israel in general. Wow. Hashem has chosen us to be part of his kingship from this entire universe. And not only the Jewish people as a whole, but even more so, and upon him in particular, upon you. Hashem has said, I choose you as my unique individual who I'm going to be focused on and love and care about the most. As indeed a man is obliged to say, for my sake was the world created. Wow, if you're going to hear such a statement, if Hashem comes to you and says, I've created the entire world for you, so the least it could do is, and on His part, He accepts, that means you and I, if we think about this point, we'll accept Hashem's kingdom upon Himself, that He be king over Him to serve Him and do His will in all kinds of servile work. So if we'll take a moment and think about how great Hashem is, and how awesome the creations of Hashem are, are and how Hashem has chosen the Jewish people, and you in particular, that's, that's going to bring us a little fear. It's going to say, we better do our job, we better do our job well. share this story, but I'll share, share it again. There was a, at the time when the first spaceship touched the moon, what year was that? 67. 1967. There was a rabbi on, that was being interviewed on radio. And he was asked, how is the Torah so so mean. So mean. Mm -hmm. the, the punishments are so cruel for certain little petty things. You're killed. Like it's, we're talking, in his mind, he said petty things. You didn't hurt anybody. You didn't listen to God, but you didn't hurt anybody. The rabbi thought for a minute. And the rabbi explained correctly. He said, it's, it's practically impossible to be killed in Torah law. In order to be killed, he had to be warned within three seconds of the actual act. There had to be two witnesses who actually... It, it's so complicated. Generally, pe people were barely killed. True fact. So much so, the Mishnah says that if a court of law killed someone in 70 years, or some opinion of seven, they're called murderers. Now, we do our best not to kill people. 
we could take care of making sure they don't harm, but to actually till we, we try not. The Rebbe heard about this, and the Rebbe spoke a whole fabrengen. He said, the answer, you know, I appreciate the rabbi's answer, but let's take the rocket and share how that could answer the question. It's not such a big deal to smoke. I, if you smoke, so you're smoking, you made that decision. But he says, imagine that one of the astronauts on the spaceship smoked. And because of that, they had to abort the whole mission. So you put in billions of dollars, and the entire America has invested in you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you've decided to smoke. It's a simple thing. But you, everybody invested in you, and you've destroyed, you've destroyed this mission, and you have to come back to Earth. So you're not just smoking, you're actually causing this massive effect. The same thing is, a little mitzvah, it's not a little mitzvah. If Hashem created the world for you, <coughs> so it's a big mitzvah, you, the whole world is created for you. Everything in this entire universe is all surrounding around you, so you have a big responsibility. So that is the first contemplation, that should bring us some fear. Some fear of the greatness of Hashem, that Hashem created this master plan, and I'm at the center of it. Any questions? <coughs> but Tanya goes even further. Rabbi Manus Friedman, he was once asked to go deal with a young boy who wanted to commit suicide. And this boy, everybody had tried speaking with him. But they asked him to go as well. And he said, if, if I could help another person, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. So he goes. And the boy basically ignored him. Till finally the, the boy said, he said, like, the chaplain was here already. You know, just, just go home. So Rabbi Friedman said, ah, okay, what did he tell you? He said it was really stupid. Oh, so I really want to hear what he said. He said, don't commit suicide because God loves you. So I said, he said, he said, you're right, that's quite stupid. Like, where does love, how does God, where does love come into this? So he, says, so he, so he shares, he says, oh, and now the boy got excited already. Mm-hmm. Someone's on his side. He said, it's not about love. It's about God needs you. God needs you. And he shares, it's a, it's a class, of, he, it's, a, it's a, an essay he wrote about parenting. Let's not tell our children just we love them. It doesn't mean much. Let's tell them we need them. We can't live without them. <coughs> and actually, when I heard that and I learned this in Tanya, I think, I think Hashem is telling us this message, that Hashem needs you. The Medrash shares, we learned in Parshish Vayetzeh, yeah, we all know Yaakov lies down, he's running away from his parents, he lies down and he has a stream with a ladder, and the angels are going up and down. And listen to the quote of the Torah. The Torah says, Hashem And behold, the way they say it in English, here is... Um, Stands over 
suddenly he saw God standing over him. So Hashem is standing over Yaakov. Okay. Let's now turn to Parshas Miketz that we're going to learn very soon. Not this week, but... Sorry, I don't mean on your pages. I was talking more in the Chumash where, where I have it. In Parshas Miketz, Yaakov... In Parshas Miketz, Paro has a dream. And let's listen to Paro's dream. Paro says... At the end of two years of Paro, Cholim, Paro has a dream. Paro is standing on top of the Nile River. Now remember, the Nile is the idol of Egypt. So Paro is standing on top of his idols. And Hashem is standing on top of Yaakov. So the Medrash says, that people that serve idols, they stand on top of them. They are supporting their idols. But Hashem, Hashem is on top of the Jewish people. Or Hashem is on top of Yaakov. Yaakov is supporting Hashem. The Hine Hashem, Nitzav Allah, Hashem is standing on top of Yaakov. That means Yaakov is supporting Hashem. What does that mean? Yaakov is supporting Hashem. That means we, Hashem is looking at us, looking to us, saying, I need you. I need you to, I need your assistance to complete my vision for this world. Without you, the vision is not going to happen. Hashem needs us so much that He is constantly watching us and saying, please, He's checked, He's, he's completely supporting us and watching us and saying, please, I, I need your assistance in this. That's a crazy message. Imagine your parents constantly told you this message. I, I really, really need you. I really, not I need you because I, I need, I, not I need your help so we'll have money. I need you as a, as a person. What a powerful message. That's what Hashem is telling you and me. Hashem is saying, I need you. Let's see it inside. And behold, God stands over him. Hashem needs of Allah. So Hashem is standing over him, meaning Hashem, is, Hashem needs you. You are supporting, we are supporting, so to speak, Hashem. God forbid, of course. Not that Hashem needs us, that He can't be without us. Of course, Hashem is everything. But Hashem in His master plan has created a plan where He needs us. And the whole world is full of His glory. Hashem is everywhere. And He looks upon Him and searches His reign and heart to see if He is serving Him as fitting. Hashem is constantly looking at us and saying, Please, assist me. Okay, therefore... If this is a story that Hashem is constantly looking at you, He's constantly nearby, supporting you, and, and so therefore He must serve in His presence with awe and fear like one standing before the king. If we think about this idea that Hashem needs us and is constantly looking at what we're doing, that's going to cause you some awe and fear. Let's summarize. So in summary, what have we learned? That the foundation needs to be fear. Love alone won't do it. Right? We could love someone and not do what they want. We could do what we want. Right? We love fish. We don't love fish. We hate fish. We kill fish. 
We love eating fish. We, the foundation needs to be fear. Fear of Hashem. How could we come to fear? So one method is to think about how great Hashem is and that He's bestowed His kingship upon the Jewish people and you in particular. And a step further is thinking about how Hashem needs you. And because He needs you, He's constantly, he's constantly looking, are you, are you assisting me in this matter? Are there any questions about the premise about what Tanya is sharing with us in this section? So what conclusion have we come to? Fear or love? Oh, or simultaneous? Fear is a foundation, and on top of that we have to have love. But the foundation needs to be fear. Is it fear and awe together? Yes, yes, because fear today is like a weird word. People think, yeah. If you, may, you may like awe. It should be awe. Okay. And what is the specific scriptural citation for that assumption? That fear needs to come first? Yes. Tanya has shared that this has to be the foundation. To allow, we could have fear and love after, but the first thing needs to be fear. Okay, I don't mean to be difficult. Where in the Torah does it say that? I don't know if the Torah specifically says you need to have fear first in the five books of Moshe. But you could argue that the Torah says it everywhere, because what does the Torah consist of? Mitzvot? Or calls for love? But that's the point. It just as easily could be as that's love. Love is a much easier sentiment to come about than fear. Love could have very easily preceded it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the only reason I raise this point is not to be contrary, yeah. but to clarify it in my own mind, because it would seem to me that love comes before fear. And... I don't mean to take any more class time. I'll think about it and I'll solve the whole problem and let you know next week. Okay. Here's another example. When you're faced with somebody who's basically questioning and a non-believer, what is the advice given with regard to mitzvot? If you don't understand, is the advice you must first understand and then you can do the mitzvah? Or is it do the mitzvah and you will come to understand later? How do you equate that to fear and love? I love God, so I should do what God asks of me, because if I love my fellow also, as Hillel emphasized, then I will come to understand that God has infinite wisdom and my love for him is not misplaced, according to the, uh, the Gospel of St. David. But that is, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that that's legitimate, I just, positing it because I, I have a problem with this. I'd like if we can, we could discuss this after. I want to try and finish these four items on the next two pages. So here we're going to see some quotes from the Rebbe. So the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, he was a first generation of Chabad Rebbeim. And the Rebbe here is, going to, is responding to different people and different issues. Some of, some of these are translations of his letters. Some of them are the original. Um, and sharing what we could learn from this idea that we, we've seen in chapter 41. So regarding the controlling and managing anger, 
So the Rebbe writes, you, you write about your trait of anger, engrave in your memory that which is stated at the beginning of chapter 41 of Tanya, that behold, God himself stands over him and searches his reins and heart, his innermost thoughts and emotions. And when, when you remind yourself of this, even while you're in the midst of your anger, that God is literally standing over you and searches your thoughts and emotions, then your anger will surely pass. If we really think about this idea, in the heat of our anger, that Hashem is currently standing next to you, and from every single person in the universe, He's thinking, He's focused on you and thinking about what you're thinking and saying, that's a very powerful thought to help us calm our, our anger. In the next piece, I'm going to skip to the, you could read it, but I want to skip to the third paragraph of number two. In particular, it is important to refrain from anger in light of that which is stated in the writings of the Arizal, that anger causes one's soul to be exchanged. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know what it means that your soul is exchanged. I don't know. But I do know that the Arizal is telling us that, that anger causes issues to your soul. Mm-hmm. What's the Arizal? The Arizal is Reb Isaac Luria. Reb Isaac Luria, he's the, what we'd call in a sense, the one of the people who shared Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. He wrote our, the, his inspiration and words are the original to our sitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, if I may presume, I think he means is that once you proceed in anger, you lose control of your soul. And the, uh, and the Yetzir Hara sees an opportunity to come in and take over your responses because you no longer proceed rationally. Thank you. I want to talk about laziness. This next piece, very powerful. I'm in receipt of your letter of the 4th of Tavis in which you write about the problem of laziness. And you ask my advice as to how to overcome it. Okay, so here the Rebbe responds. One of the effective ways of overcoming this difficulty is by deeply contemplating the notion that God is omnipresent at all times and in all places. As the Alter Rebbe explains at the beginning of chapter 41 of Tanya, that behold, God himself stands over him and scrutinizes him and searches his reins and heart, his innermost his innermost thoughts and emotions, to see if he is serving him as fitting. Therefore he must serve in his presence with awe and fear like one standing before the king. And now the Rebbe uses his words. The point is to remember that inasmuch as God gives one the gift of time and of mental capacity, one must not waste these great gifts granted him by God. So Hashem has given us all these talents. We can't waste them. And look at this, by way of illustration. Suppose the great and majestic king personally and graciously gave you a gift. And he stands next to you in order to see what you will do with his gift. What would it look like if you would ignore his gift and go out for a walk or engage in some other pastime, etc.? Surely it's unnecessary to emphasize to you this idea of greater land. So when we think about the idea of being lazy, so the Rabbi is sharing, if, if you'll give this a thought, you've been given talent. Hashem has given you a present. And Hashem is watching you. That's what we just learned in chapter 41. Hashem is looking at your innermost thoughts. He's saying, He's watching what you're doing with his present. If we really give it some thought, it could help us to get our, get our act together. Mm-hmm. Move, move ahead. Mm. And again, you see on the top of page 3, I suggest you learn well and commit to memory the beginning of chapter 41.
And now what about melancholy? Similarly, here, this was in um, Rabbi Gurari. He's a teacher, a mashpia in Montreal. He sh- he's right. The one theme the Rebbe always stressed was chapter 41 of Tanya. The Altarebbe speaks about contemplating the fact that God constantly stands over the person watching what he does. The Rebbe said that always keeping this in mind will be a tremendous help to a person's avoda service of Hashem. And here are his words. The Rebbe told this to me many times and also to many other people. The Rebbe emphasized over and over to me and my friends. The Rebbe told me this was also a way to deal with melancholy, since remembering that Hashem is always with you is a sure way to feel happiness. You're never lonely. Mm-hmm. You're never alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what if it doesn't work? So Rabbi Garavi wrote that it seemed that his thinking about chapter 41 wasn't working. So the Rabbi answered, it's impossible <laughs> that it does not affect you. Okay. So let's, let's put this all into perspective. We've learned something very powerful tonight. And we've also been told that if we give it some good thought, it will certainly bear fruit. We just learned it's impossible it wouldn't affect you. What have we learned? What is the foundation as the class began? What is the foundation of, of who we are? The foundation is, in the words that Yeshua is encouraging me to use, and Daniel's, to accept the yoke of heaven, accept the awe of Hashem. How great Hashem is. And how Hashem has chosen you to be His one and only person who He's focused on. And Hashem needs you. Hashem can't be without you. And giving this some thought can assist us in managing our anger if we're angry at the moment of our anger I think Hashem is looking at me at this moment and if we're lazy think about how Hashem is watching me right now He's giving me gifts He's looking at me Am I, what would I do if even my friend gave me a gift and watched what I did you'd be if you're king and finally loneliness to sadness if, I, if you know Hashem is there with you at every moment then it can assist us to never truly be sad so May tonight tonight is the 19th day of Kislev it brings with it tremendous energy gathering together in a group of, of people to learn brings together blessing may all the blessings permeate us and really bring the best Blessings within our life. Thank you very much. Thank you.